0: Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Praise. It's great, great song, great reminder. Hallelujah. What a Savior. What a Savior. He did not flinch a man at the cross, but he did it for you and I. Wow! Praise God! Wasn't that good? All right. God bless you. You can be seated. Praise the Lord! Glad you're here in the house of the Lord. Trust you had a good week. Just a great, great fallish uh, time of the year. It's beautiful, and beautiful day God's given us. Praise the Lord! And so glad you've chosen to spend, Amen, this time with us. I was reading some. Uh, stats this week, and they said 46% of fatal accidents happen in the home, 33% happen in a vehicle, and uh, 19% happen somewhere else, but they said less than one-tenth of 1% happen at church, right? It's comforting to know that you're in the safest place to be in the house of the Lord, amen. Amen. If that's not incentive enough to attend church, I don't know what is. Praise God. God's good. Amen. Uh, Notice if you received a bulletin, a couple things. We've got uh, missions weekend coming up. Brother Trawick's going to be with us. We want you to sign up for the missions banquet out at the camp on that Saturday, and that's the 5th of November. And then uh, we've got another missionary uh, coming in the next Sunday. So, we're going to have a couple Sundays here in November spotlighting world missions. So, we're looking forward to that. All right. So, uh, just be sure and sign up back there at the communication station. We've got uh, Friday, the 28th. We've got fall fellowship. We'd love for you to join us out at the campgrounds and just have plenty of soup and chili and fellowship. And the kids got a cookie bake off. And so, uh, they're going to be having some fun with that. So, also, if you can bring super chili, and if you want to enter it into the contest, you don't have to, but please do sign up at the communication station as well. All right, praise the Lord. Uh, like Brother Grant said, t- uh, tonight is youth focus. Pre service prayer is at 6 in the prayer room. Come and uh, just trust the Lord to meet us here. Uh, my family, we will be stepping out and heading out uh, this afternoon to Missouri. And we will be gone for a little better than a week, all right? So uh, for OBI Convocation, we covet your prayers. We'll be speaking on Thursday out there. And so you pray for us that God would anoint us, amen, and let us uh, be uh, his mouthpiece for that uh, time that we'll be speaking, praise the Lord. And then, uh, so this Wednesday, uh, Brother Grant uh, will be in here uh, speaking, uh, not only tonight, but then this Wednesday, he'll be in here. Uh, for the evening service. And then, uh, so you come even next Sunday. we want the Lord to be with you guys here. And uh, Brother Grant will be speaking Sunday morning. Brother Stephen Goodell will be speaking Sunday night. And then uh, Wednesday evening uh, will be uh, a DVD that I want you to see. Uh, It is a trip to the Potter's House. It is a gentleman uh, that actually uh, is a... Um, potter and he shares from jeremiah chapter 18 uh, with the potter's wheel and you'll be you'll really be informed but also inspired and challenged as the lord aren't you glad god doesn't throw the clay away uh and so uh that'll be the next wednesday so uh, then we'll be returned all right so that's kind of what's uh, on the horizon thank you musicians we're going to go to the word of the lord this morning I uh, got two uh, passages to share with you, both from the Old Testament—one in Exodus and one in Psalms—and so uh, I'm starting a series this morning. Although I'm not going to be here next Sunday, uh, this series is more topical, not expositional, so it's not going to matter. If Uh, We don't have them all together. So um, I just felt to get this started. It's been on my heart for actually a couple months now, and we're just going to look at uh, some things. We're calling the series, What's the Point? And we're going to ask the question, what's the point of some very uh, important things in in our faith? Uh, And we're going to be answering those uh, questions uh, of faith. I hope very simply And uh, so you can understand and defend why we do what we do. So today, we're actually asking, what's the point of observing Sunday? Everybody say Sunday. Everybody say, that's the Lord's day. It's not my day. It's not your day. It's the Lord's day. So, we're going to be talking about that. So, let's let's get some of the basis for that. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8. Let's stand together. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8. I think we're going to read down through about verse 11, okay? That will give us the uh, context here. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou what? Labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy man servant nor thy maid servant nor thy cattle nor thy stranger that is within thy gates for in six days the lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them and rested on the what day oh. seventh day wherefore the lord blessed the sabbath day and hallowed it all right isn't it interesting that god used four words to tell us we should not kill, but he used over 90 words to tell us we need to take a Sabbath. It's pretty important, right? Now, let's go to Psalm 122. and we're going to read this chapter. So don't don't panic. It's not very long. It's only 9 verses. Psalm 122. Say this first verse with me. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together, whether the tribes go up, and you can put the word families in the place of that word tribes, because that's what it means, whether the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord into the testimony of Israel to give thanks unto the name of the Lord, for there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, they shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sakes, I will now say, Peace be within thee because of the house of the Lord. Because the church is there. That's what he's saying. Did you get that? Because the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. Boy, I'm glad to see you, and I hope you're glad to be here. Father, thank you for the house of the Lord. Thank you for Sunday. Thank you for that day of the week that we disconnect from the rat race of life, and we connect with the presence of God. Lord, let us look to you as we look at this passage, as we ask the question, what is the point of observing Sunday. I pray that we will leave here having a better understanding and better inspiration for why we do this. In Jesus' name, all God's children say amen. Amen. God bless you. Turn around and tell somebody it's good to see him on Sunday, the Lord's Day. Yeah. Praise God. Now, I don't know anyone can debate the conclusion that Sunday observance in American Christianity. How many has found out it is a fading tradition? Right. One writer put it this way: "said Our great grandparents called it the Holy Sabbath, our grandparents called it the Sabbath, our parents called it Sunday. We call it the weekend." Now. I love history. Anybody like history in here? I thought it interesting, in the early America of back in the 1600s, every minister in Virginia was required to read to their congregation every Sunday what was called the Articles and Laws and Orders. And what was included in them was the reminder, get this, that failure to attend church twice each Lord's Day was punishable in the first instance by the loss of a day's food. Wow. The second offense resulted in a public whipping. And the third led to six months of rowing in the colony's galle- galleys. Somebody say they took it pretty serious, right? As the colonies grew. One naval man, history says, by the name of Captain Kimball. Everybody say Kimball. He returned to Boston on a Sunday from being out at sea for three years. Okay? And he comes back home to Boston on a Sunday. And as soon, not long after he arrives in Boston and greets his wife, he is arrested. For profaning the Sabbath, his crime was kissing his wife in public on Sunday. Hello. That crime earned him several hours in the local jail. Also in the 1600s, a man in Scotland was arrested for smiling on Sunday. I think some of you still think it's against the law to smile on Sunday. Oh, some of you just broke the law. You know, how I many's heard of uh, the great preacher Jonathan Edwards? He wrote, he, probably, even if you attended uh, secular high school, you probably studied in literature that famous sermon he wrote Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. But they said uh, Jonathan Edwards had resolved to never tell a funny story in a sermon because he didn't want to tempt his people to smile on Sunday. Another pastor during the time of the Puritans lived in an area with a lot of ice and snow in the winter. So one Sunday, this pastor decided it would be faster to ice skate to church. And after service, the deacons called an emergency meeting, no joke, to decide whether or not it was okay for pastor to ice skate to church on Sunday. And after several hours of debate, they told him, quote, Yes, pastor, you can skate to church on Sunday as long as you don't enjoy it. Hallelujah. Well, by no means am I suggesting we go back to those extremes, right? But boy, have we drifted the other way too far. How many know now in our culture Sunday is just another day, right? A lot of young folks are growing up in homes where Sunday is just seen as another day. Others others of us grew up in homes where Sunday was a work day. You helped Dad do yard work, or you helped Mom do chores. Others grew up in homes where Sunday was a day kind of uh, full of conflict because no one was ever ready to leave on leave to go to church on time. Amen. Sundays were hectic as the whole family competed for the bathroom. Scrambled for breakfast, bolted for the door, and then argued all the way to church. Suddenly they turn on saint mode when they turn into the parking lot, right? Well, today I want to ask ourselves why do we go through the hassle of dressing up, getting the kids ready? Why go to the trouble of finding a parking place near the front of the church and a pew near the back of the sanctuary? Listen, I've never, oh, let me go on. If Sundays aren't the best day of your week, you're doing it wrong. Hey, man, pastor, I know I just got your attention with that one. I said, if Sundays aren't the best day of your week, you're doing it wrong. Let's let's get to uh, Psalm 122, because David writes about a time when somebody reminded him it was church time. Now, I want you to see how David responds. He says, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Does that sound like a guy who was turned off by church? Does that sound like a guy who'd rather roll over and hit the snooze button? No, David got excited when he was given the opportunity to attend church. He was glad. He rejoiced. He couldn't wait to get there. Why? Why was David fired up about the thing that so many people avoid today? What does he know that we don't know about church? Well, when we examine this psalm, I want us to see, he lays out three reasons why he was glad to go to the house of the Lord. Are you interested in three reasons? Okay. When we understand these three elements about church, I believe Sunday will become the best day of our week. All right? Here we go. In verse 4, David gives us the first reason to love Sunday. He writes and he says, the tribes go up to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. In other words, David would say, I love Sundays because I get the opportunity to go to the place where praising God is accepted and expected. Sundays give us the opportunity to worship our uh, Creator, and literally the Hebrew in the word worship means simply to bow down. Worship is bowing our hearts in reverence to a majestic and awesome God. Worship is a celebration which simply gives God the praise that He deserves. How many says He deserves some praise? right? To worship is to applaud the greatness of God. And in Scripture, worship is both an attitude and an action. And it begins with an attitude that's mingled with awe and reverence in our hearts toward God that explodes into action through prayer and praise and the proclamation of God's goodness and His grace. Anybody in here say God's been good to you? See, I love what President Theodore Roosevelt said many years ago and I, I'm not, I, I don't really know um, how of a, much of a religious fellow he was, but sounds like he, uh, he knew a little bit. He said, yeah, he said, I know all the excuses. He said, I know that one can worship the Creator and dedicate oneself to good living in a grove of trees. He said, you can do that by, beside a running brook or even in your own house just as well as in the church. But he said, I also know as a matter of cold fact that the average man does not do that if he stays away from church, end of quote, Theodore Roosevelt. And I think he's right. We can worship in home at home. We can worship in the car. I've done that before, haven't you? Yeah, we can worship at the office or uh, uh, along the assembly line. But if Sunday isn't a day of worship, the rest of the week probably won't be either. Oh, how many's found out life is so busy? We get so easily distracted. Sundays give us des- designated time, though, every week to refocus our attention on the one who's saved our souls. Yeah. Praise God. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. Yeah. Because he saved our souls from eternal separation from the God who loves us enough to give us his only begotten son. I've always liked David's invitation to worship in Psalm 34, 3, when he said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Magnify simply means to enlarge and to stand in awe of God's indescribable beauty, wonder, majesty, and grace. That's one thing that Sunday observance is all about. So let's go ahead and worship for just a moment, can we? Would you slip up a hand or two? Hallelujah. And worship. Thank you, Lord. We magnify you, God. We magnify you, Lord. Now, how many knows not everybody experiences that kind of passionate worship on Sunday? Some of the greatest demonstrations of worship, and we mentioned this last Sunday, I believe, is, is not in a church. Sometimes it's at places of entertainment, whether it be a concert or Uh, in a sports stadium where people shower their adoration on uh, a favorite celebrity or athlete and nothing is held back. But sadly, church worship becomes less enthusiastic when we approach it as a religious obligation. How many know God never intended worship to be dull, dreary, right, obligatory? That's why David said in Psalm 100 verse 2, oh, come on and make a joyful noise. Serve, and there it means worship the Lord with gladness. Worship the Lord with gladness. If we let ourselves be truly immersed in worship, no matter what hymn is being sung, no matter the size of the crowd, listen, we can still feel the presence of God and He will come and be with us and He will change us. Something remarkable takes place when we worship God truly. Listen, we are transformed. We become like who we worship. Let me take you back to an Old Testament example. Moses, you know, he went up into the mount to commune with God and he was changed by that moment. When he came down from the mountain, you remember his face literally glowed from exposure to the glory of God and the people were so afraid that Moses had to put a veil over his face until the glowing had subsided. Listen, the apostle Paul says that the same thing can happen to us when we worship in the presence of God. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, he says, We all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image. Wouldn't it be great if we all left this service this morning with our faces glowing with the radiant presence of God? Hallelujah. Sundays are a day set aside to let our lives be recharged with the glowing grace and presence of God. And the promise is that when we worship in spirit and in truth, the Holy Spirit comes and transforms us. God responds to our worship by making our heart like his, and we need that. I know I need that. Don't you? Listen, we come to worship oftentimes so broken and so bent out of shape, so affected by sin and so affected by shame and stress. But when we see the face of the Father and feel his presence, our face will shine brighter and our steps will become lighter. Why? Because he changes us. He will eventually give us a heart like His. So we observe Sunday because, as David put it, we can go to a place of worship where praise is expected and accepted. All right. That's number one. Two more to go. Say, hurry, pastor. God bless your hearts. You are my favorite congregation. <laughs> the second reason he highlights is where he says in 3 and 4, he says, Jerusalem is builded as a city where people come together. Basically, that's what he's saying. Where different families, he calls them tribes, go. And they actually are the families of the Lord. That's what tribes mean there. So the temple or the house of the Lord was located in the heart of Jerusalem. So Jerusalem became known. A lot of times when they referred to, I'm going to Jerusalem, it actually meant I'm going up to worship. Okay, so you can almost, in in some places, use those terms interchangeably. And so, in other words, David said, David would say, "I, I observe Sundays because I love gathering with the family of God. Does that make sense? How many know we're, we're a tribe around here? We're the Broadway tribe. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're part of the tribe, the family of God. See, the Bible uses a lot of metaphors to describe the church, but the most persistent is that of family. See, in the New Testament, believers call each other brothers and sisters, and the book of Romans describes us as being adopted. I mean, know oh, that's a family term. We're also in the New Testament called the children of God. The church itself is called the household of God. And in his letter to the church in Ephesus, uh, Paul writes and he says, Now you all belong to the family of God. Ephesians 2 19. And so the truth is that as believers, we're family. I said, we're family. Now, some of you might say, I don't claim you pastor. I don't care if you don't claim me, we're family. Listen, when we surrender our life to Christ, God becomes our father. We become his child, and other believers become brothers and sisters, and the church becomes our spiritual family. And that's another thing that Sunday observance is all about. It's about spending some family time spiritually with your brothers and sisters who love us, who can come alongside of us and see us through some of the most difficult and trying times of our lives. Being included in God's family is really the highest honor and greatest privilege that we will ever receive as human beings. Whenever you feel unimportant and unloved and insecure, remember who you belong to. Uh, Listen, that's what the family is. It's a place to belong. We're not meant to live in isolation. We're not meant to be alone. Even in the perfect paradise of Eden, God said it's not good be alone. One publication called Psychology Today calls social social isolation a modern plague. Noting that, quote, 25% of Americans have no meaningful social support at all, not a single person they can confide in goes on to lay out how this isolation takes its toll, making folks more vulnerable to mental illness, depression, and addiction of all kinds. Listen, how many know we are are seeing that in our generation? We are not meant to live lone ranger lives. Uh, Rather, we are created for communion and community. And you might be able to praise God at home or in the car or even up in a deer stand but you cannot be a part of the family bond if you are in isolation and never come and see the family, right? A Christian without a church family is like a child without a family. What do we call them? Orphans, right? Today's culture of independent individualism has created many spiritual orphans, I've seen what I call bunny believers. They hop around from church to church. Hello? Never really connecting with God's family. Listen, being a part of God's family means connecting with each other, worshiping together, laughing together, crying together. In fact, the Bible says that Christians are put together they are joined together they are built together they are members together they are heirs together they are fitted together they are held together and they will be caught up together that's a whole lot of togetherness huh? Now i know some people think yeah but the church is full of hypocrites newsflash Staying away from the church because it's full of hypocrites is like staying away from the gym because it's full of fat people. Sorry, I know that's not politically correct, but I'm just keeping it real. Listen, you don't go to the gym because you're in shape and never have had a weight problem. You go to the gym to get into shape and to stay in shape. We go to church to surround ourselves with other believers so that we can learn and get along with the family of God. Just as families struggle to get along, so do some churches. Every church, just just like every family, experiences conflict from time to time. Personalities clash. Feelings get hurt. Grudges get held. Listen, people, including believers, can be downright unlovable at times. We can be selfish, we can be stubborn, we can be short-sighted, but here's the thing, God knew all of that ahead of time, and the local church is a classroom for learning how to get along and to love unlovable people sometimes. It's a laboratory of practicing unselfish, sympathetic love. Belonging to God's family is a precious gift. And believe me, the benefits far outweigh the potential problems. Amen. Is this okay? How many know God has given each one of us a mission and a ministry? And none of us can do it alone. It's got to be done together. And when we start neglecting the house of God, the family of God, we stop observing Sunday worship, we miss out on something so important, and that is the family bond. God doesn't just call us to believe. He calls us to belong. All right, here's my last point. Have you all survived so far? I'm glad. Notice the closing verses. Verses 6 through 8, David speaks a lot about peace. Everybody say peace. And he goes on to pray for the peace of his family and his friends that have gathered in Jerusalem and more specifically in the house of the Lord. The tribes, he said, of the Lord have gathered at the house of the Lord to praise and to worship, and they are departing and david says to them family and friends peace be with you folks we need a we need a little bit of that peace in our generation in fact the hebrew word shalom which is translated peace be with you it was just a common way to say goodbye in their vernacular to friends and family but it really was a blessing that meant May the peace of God go with you as you leave where? The house of the Lord. Huh? In the New Testament, Paul expected peace to be a hallmark of all those who belong to the family of God. He writes in Second Colossians. Excuse me. There's no Second Colossians if you look for that. It's not in there. Colossians 3.15 Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called to one body, aka one family. Listen, I'm convinced that when we do Sunday God's way, we can experience the peace of God, not just on Sunday, but the rest of our week. Hello. Oh, I'm not going to say it and stand here and lie and tell you there's not going to be joy stealers and peace stealers that come through the week. There's plenty of those. But you remind that thief, no, I worship the Lord, and he gave me a peace, and you're not going to steal it from me. Hello. So there are two ingredients Necessary for experiencing that peace. And that's what Sunday is all about. What's the point of observing Sunday? Two words. Worship and rest. If we could boil our question down to what's the point of Sunday, it would be for those two words, rest and worship. How many know you could ask any physician and they'll tell you, rest is essential for the physical body. Ask any athlete and they will tell you rest is essential for healthy physical training. And when the body is deprived of sleep, it is unable to rebuild and recharge itself adequately. Rest is needed for physical muscles to repair themselves to prevent injury. And our bodies requires rest. The same is true for our souls. And Sundays give us the opportunity to rest and refuel and recharge our spiritual batteries. And unfortunately, this hectic culture causes us to run faster and work harder and yet fall farther behind. Right? That's why God calls us to a day of rest and worship. Way back in the beginning, you know the story. We read it. God created the heavens and the earth and all that was in them six days. But on the seventh, he rested. I mean, no, God didn't rest because he was tired. Somebody say God doesn't get tired. He has limitless energy at his disposal. And the reason he rested on the seventh day was because he knew that we need one day out of the week to rest And He wanted us to see how important it was and how many know God practices what He preaches. Hello? He set the example for us. In fact, God's example became the basis for the fourth commandment. How many commandments are there total? Ten. This is number four. Exodus 20, verse 8. When He told the Israelites... Remember the Sabbath day. It's not your day. It's His day. Keep it holy. Now, I want you to see as we close, says John, Jude come, this was a new concept for the Israelites. Because in the chronology of the text, and the events, prior to that commandment coming, the slaves had been in Egypt for almost 400 years. They were accustomed to hard labor day in and day out. God actually had to train them on how to rest. And as the Israelites journeyed through the wilderness, you remember when God sent them food? Manna, everybody say manna manna in the morning, but he tells them collect just enough for one day at a time, except on what day? Sixth day. And on that sixth day, they were to collect twice as much so that the Sabbath or the seventh day could be a day of worship and rest. And I understand as believers, New Testament believers, we're no longer bound by the civil or ceremonial laws of the Old Testament by and large. But we still need a day of rest just as much as they did. And the history of Christianity shows us that whenever we take the time to set aside a day for rest and refocus with God, our lives and our families improve. We enjoy our families more. We experience the smile of God on our lives. Once upon a time in our country, everything stopped on Sunday. People went to church and worshiped God. They ate together, hung out together, rested, relaxed together in the afternoon. Sunday wasn't an extra day to get more things done. It wasn't a bonus day to take the kids and put them in high-impact activities so that they could get ahead. No, Sunday was a day of rest. Sunday was a day of worship. i got to hurry. Maybe you're going to go out and eat in just a few minutes. But I can tell you one place you won't be eating at and that's Chick-fil-A. Why? You're right. But did you know no one, McDonald's, Subway, Burger King, Taco Bell, no one makes as much money per location as Chick-fil-A. What's the unique? What's so unique about Chick-fil-A is According to their website, their founder, Truett Cathy. Somebody over here works for Chick-fil-A, don't you? Do you still work there? Yeah. Truett Cathy made this decision all the way back in 1946 because he believed that all Chick-fil-A operators and their employees should have an opportunity to rest, spend time with family and friends, and worship if they chose to do so. He said that was part of their recipe for success. How many know it seems to work pretty well for them? They make more money in six days than McDonald's, Subway Burger King, Taco Bell in seven. That tells me that good Sundays will make better Mondays, better Tuesdays. I said, good Sundays will make better Wednesdays, for that matter, and all the rest of the week. Because when Sunday is a day of rest and worship, the whole week just gets better. Amen. God never intended for us to live life at full speed. And I'm closing. Stand with me. And I want our church and our young people to realize... God never intended us to live life at full speed 24-7. He designed our bodies to need sleep every night and to take a day of rest every week. It was woven into the very fabric of our universe from the very beginning. The biblical position is that we are no longer required to worship on the Jewish Sabbath. I understand you can get into that. We're not, hey, we're not talking about that whether it's Saturday or Sunday. We're talking that every six days, you need a Sabbath, right? Life goes better when we do things God's way. So I think David knew that, and that's the point of Sunday, I think David said, to praise God together with the family of God and to experience the peace of God. When we combine those three elements, Sundays will be the best day of our week. And that's the way God intended it to be. So whether you're a first-time visitor here to Broadway or maybe you've been a member here so long that the pew is worn into the shape of your body, I'm glad that you can say, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. I want us today to do something as a church. I want us to recommit to keeping Sunday holy. All right? Is that okay? Why? Why, Pastor? Because Sunday isn't our day. It's the Lord's day. That means we don't get to decide what we do with it as a believer. God's already told us what we're to do with his day. Rest and worship. Mow the lawn? Absolutely not. Come on, folks. Paint the house? No. Ladies, you want to redecorate your kitchen? Not on Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. If you paint in your kitchen on the Lord's Day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray God lets the paint fall off. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for Sunday. Thank you, Lord, that although our generation has seemed to lose its sacredness in regards to Sunday and the significance, Sunday has lost its significance in our generation. Oh, God, may we, may we fight for Sunday may we pray that God allows us to protect our Sundays and reserve them for rest and worship that's what we ask you for in Jesus name all God's people would you slip out of your seat as we sing this chorus and